So we're at Psalms 133. We're gonna, uh, I'm going to read the first verse. I'm going to ask you to join me on verse 2 and, in, and on verse 3. Psalms 133, and I'll begin reading verse 1. You please join me on the other two verses. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. So this is the 14th of the Ascension Psalms. There's only one more after this, and we'll be done with this subset. We'll probably uh, be out of Psalms, at least for some short period of time, and then we'll come back and hopefully finish up, Lord willing, finish up the remaining, um, should be 16 more, and then we will have covered um, all the Psalms, and which will be an accomplishment, at least from my side of the equation, will be an accomplishment. I am surprised, um, and if, if, if you... What I'm saying is I'm being honest and truthful. If you think I'm not, then, then I don't necessarily blame you because it doesn't seem that way, but this is a true statement. Um, you know, I, I prepare my messages typically weeks in advance. It's just the way I do it. I'm not saying you have to do it that way, but that's how I do it. So this was written, I don't know, three weeks ago or something, maybe a month ago. Um, so anyways, they're, they're, they're prepared weeks in advance. But I have found this to be true often. Not every, every sermon is this way, but I would say... Um, a good number of them are this way. Things come up be- between me, and the same thing is true about this morning's message, and it's the same true about this message. Between when I wrote it to, and then until and, and I preach it. So here's when I wrote it, here's when I preach it. Events come up, situations come up, that tend to, when, the, when I get to the message, tend to apply directly to recent events. And so it can sound like sometimes... Um, uh, like this morning's message, like it's directed toward or, or, or focused on, uh, but I have no idea who's going to be here on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night, and uh, I just, I, you know, I, I try to preach what's in the text, and it just, uh, and I let the Lord apply it, but it's just funny how the Lord does that, uh, but that's, that's, that's what the Lord does, and he's good at doing that. And so I trust the Lord will be using this message tonight as he's used other messages through the year. So let's pray. Let's ask the Lord's blessing. We'll jump right into it. Father, I do pray now that you would, uh, as I've prayed often, Lord, set our minds and hearts on your word. Help us to push away everything else and just be focused now on what your word, this Psalms 133, has for us tonight. Pray it should help us. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. And you may be seated. Now again, just in, I know being repetitive, but just so we were, were reminded, the, the uh, Jewish people uh, made three pilgrimages, they made multiple pilgrimages, but three specific pilgrimages to Jerusalem, especially the, the male. Uh, they, were, they were expected to be in Jerusalem for the three big feasts. And so wherever they were in Israel, they would travel to Jerusalem. Now Jerusalem's on a mountain, so no matter where you're coming from, you're going up. So they always talk about going up to Jerusalem. And so the Psalms, this subset, what we call the Ascension Psalms, they're ascending to Jerusalem. From wherever they're traveling from, they're ascending to Jerusalem. So if you, in your Bible, they say song of degrees. It means an upward degree, uh, an ascending degree, and that's why we call them the Ascension Psalms. So as these pilgrims approach Jerusalem, the closer they get to Jerusalem, 
the more they would be accompanied by fellow pilgrims. They may start out from their individual house um, or individual little town and be maybe small in number, but as they got closer and closer to Jerusalem, as the, the roads began converging, uh, then the, the crowd would get greater and greater because they're all going to the same place roughly at the same time. And so as these pilgrims approached Jerusalem, they would steadily then be joined by other pilgrims. They would continue to, and that would continue to decrease as they got nearer. Now, it's interesting because they all are being, now watch this phrase, united in purpose and destination. That what's bringing them together is they have a united purpose and united destination. They didn't get on social media and say, hey, going to Jerusalem, what about you? Yeah, I'll go too. And okay, let's go see what's happening. Okay, it wasn't that. It was, I'm going there. I'm going there for this reason, and this is where I'm going, and someone else is going there for the same reason, and that's bringing them together. So they're united in purpose and destination. Even if they're coming from different areas, even if they're of different ages, even if they have different occupations, the similarity of purpose and destination is what's bringing them together, uniting them on this journey. Well, that same dynamic is true in a local church. In a local church, there are different ages, there are different occupations, there are different backgrounds, but yet we become united in a common purpose and a common destination. So that's what brings us together, that's what unites us. And so what I want to do tonight uh, from Psalms 1, I want us to notice three truths about unity that's important as we consider our joint pilgrimage, what we're trying to do uh, together, what, what unites us, what is this idea of unity? So let's go back now to our, uh, our psalm, Psalm 133, and look with me at verse number 1. I'm going to read it again, and then each verse basically is a point in the message. So verse 1, if you will look with me, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. So number 1, here's the first thing I'm going to bring to your attention. There is a reason for unity. There's a reason that we're united in this thing. Now, who... Let's look, at, let's look at the verse again. It says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Who is speaking? Not humanly, but who's ultimately speaking? The Lord. The Lord is saying, this is good. This is pleasant. So that's important to understand. The Lord says, when I see you uniting, when I see this coming together, it is good and it is pleasant. This is the, the Lord's opinion of this. Now watch this statement, because this is basically, even though it's point one, it's really actually my supposition statement, which is technically supposed to be part of the introduction. That's just, don't worry about it. It's just homiletical talk. But anyways, the, the, the supposition I'm going to make is this. Here's the whole point of the message. Are you ready? Unity is not designed to please us. It's designed to please God. We're not trying to be united so that we're all happy people walking together. We're being united in a way that honors and pleases and glorifies Him. So the reason for unity isn't so that we're not fussing with each other or fighting with each other, which if we're united, we wouldn't be doing it. We're not just being united so we get along. We're being united so that we please our God. So we're not, now watch, we're not to have un- unity for the sake of unity. We're not just saying, okay, we're a church, we've got to learn to get along. That's not the approach we're taking. So we're not having unity just for the sake of unity. Rather, we are to have unity to please God. And, and remember that, because this is going to be critical to understand. You have to understand the whole baseline, the whole foundation. 
The whole, everything is built on this understanding that what we're doing in unity is to please him. Doesn't matter if you like it or don't like it. Doesn't matter who likes it or doesn't like it. What we're looking at is what pleases God. So this unity we're talking about is designed to please him. So we're not having unity for the sake of unity. We're having unity for the sake of pleasing God. Now, this is the same reason that God gives us when we talk about loving one another. We don't love one another so that we all are lovey-dovey, you know, gooey-ooey, you know, that kind of people. We love each other because loving one another pleases Him. Now, hold your place in 133. Let's look at this together. Go with me to the book of John, John 13. John chapter 13. And look at verse 35. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. That's what he wants people to know, that we're his disciples. We reflect him. We're representing him. We're honoring him. We're pleasing him. We're his disciples. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have one to another. So we love one another because this is what we're called to do to reflect Jesus Christ. Let me show you another place. Still, John, look with me at chapter 17. Look with me at verse 21. That they all may be one, that's the idea of unity, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee. He is the, obviously, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is the, the, the perfect example of unity. That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. Now watch, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. In other words, our unity is designed to be a reflection of the Lord and to be a testimony to the world. So we're not trying, trying to get along. So, well, you know, I've I got to get along with people at church so we're not fussing with each other. Well, no, we get, we're, the idea of unity is to be a testimony to a world that knows no unity, that, that are fighting and fussing, but we can have unity as we focus together on the Lord. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 1. Now, I'm... I'm using multiple verses, because I want you to understand this concept. It's not about me and you getting along. It's about me and you honoring Christ through our unity. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 13. Look at the question that Paul asked this divided church in Corinth. He asked, here's the question, is Christ divided? The answer is what? No. Christ is not divided. Why can't you guys get along with each other? God wants you to get along because this is what honors him. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So his question is, is Christ divided? No. So we are trying to be united for the sake of the Lord, not for the sake of each other. So let me, again, stress this because I'm going to give you a conversely statement in a moment. We are not trying to have unity for the sake of unity. We are not trying to have unity for the sake of church growth. We are not trying to have unity in order to keep everyone happy. People say, well, you know, we've got to keep everyone happy in the church. No, we don't have to keep everyone happy in the church. Now, are we, should, be, should there be unity? Yes, but not just so that everyone likes it and everyone is, is okay. We're not just trying to make everyone happy. You know, what would happen if we take the most carnal, okay, if everyone has to be happy with each other, here's what it means. Then the person who's the most carnal in this church becomes the standard for everyone else because that's what it would take to keep everyone happy. 
That's not our goal. Our goal is not to bring, bring everyone down to the carnal level of the most carnal person. Unity is in him. We're looking to be uni unified with him. So we're trying to raise everyone up so that we're united with Christ. That's the focus. Unity isn't to keep all of us happy. Unity is keep all of us trying to be more and more like Jesus. That's the purpose of unity. So it's not, we're not having unity for the sake of unity. We're not having unity for the sake of church growth. We're not having the unity to keep everyone happy. We're not trying to have unity to make our lives easier. We're trying to have unity to Please, God, the foundational point, foundational understanding of unity. Conversely, now watch, we do not seek unity that does not please him. People say, well, how come all Christians can't get along? Because all Christians aren't trying to please God. And I'm not trying to have unity with people who are not trying to please God. If you don't care about the Lord, you don't want to live what the Bible says, you want to live apart from the Bible, you want to live ungodly, you want to live in your sin, you want to live without faith, you just want to just do your own thing, it is not my job to be in unity with you. My job is to be in unity with Him. Now, if I'm in unity with Him and you're in unity with Him, we will be united together, but because we're both seeking the Lord, not because we're seeking each other. Our job is not to try to, f to find a way to get along with every church in this area. Our job is to find a way that we can unite with the purpose of God. Now, if, if that's church A. If church B is trying to unite with the purpose of God, church A and church B will be, will be in unity with each other, not because they're trying to be in unity with each other, but because they're the same focus of unity. So this is important to understand. This is the reason for unity. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him and being united in this common purpose of trying to live for the Lord. So that's what verse 1 is telling us in Psalms 133. Now, we do have a clock that automatically sets itself. I, this, I, know, I know you're saying, what has that to do with the message? It doesn't. I haven't looked at it. And according to our clock, it's not even 6 o'clock yet. So I still have 25 minutes before the service starts, so we've got plenty of time to get through the second and third verse. So Psalms 133, look with me at verse number 2. So verse 1 tells us it's good and pleasant. But it's the Lord who's saying it's good and pleasant. In other words, he wants unity that's good and pleasant to him. That's the idea. Look at verse 2. It, now what is it? It is the unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the beard that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments. Now we'll, we'll look at what that reference is in a moment. But that brings us to our second th uh, thought. So number one, there's a reason for unity. Number two, there is a source of unity. Unity is compared to this oil, this uh, anointing oil, that was used uh, when Aaron became the high priest, way back in the book of Exodus, we'll look at in a moment. And he's, he's referring to it, he's giving a picture. He's talking about when the oil was poured onto Aaron, and this oil ran down, it was pleasing to the Lord because it was an obedience to the Lord. It was signifying something to the Lord. And he said, this is what unity is like. But notice the source. He said, it is like this oil. Now, this anointing oil, let me slow down because I want you to get this. This anointing oil was very specific in its makeup. They didn't just say, well, what do you want in your oil? Well, how about try some of that? And how about try some of that? And it wasn't, they didn't go to uh, 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 Bath and Body Works and say, hey, look, anointing oil. Let's get that for Aaron. Okay, that's not the way it was. God said, here's what's going to be in it. 
Here's how you make it. Here's what you use it for. Now watch, notice, notice this thing. And don't ever use it for anything else. That was the key. Make this oil, use this oil, but only for what I tell you to use it for. It was a very strict recipe, very strict usage. Go with me to Exodus 30. And he's picturing unity through this. Exodus chapter 30. And look with me at verse number 30. Now we're going to read, we're going to read this whole section because I want you to get the understanding of what's going on with this oil. Start in verse 30. And thou shalt anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them. This is what we're talking about in Psalms 133. That they may minister unto me in the priest's office. And thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, saying, This shall be in a holy anointing oil unto me throughout your generations. Upon man's flesh shall it not be poured. Now, what that means is no one else. No one else gets to use this. This is only for the high priest and the, and the, and the priest there. That's the only one, Aaron and, and his sons. Upon man's flesh it shall it not be poured. Neither shall you make any other like it after the composition of it. It is holy, and it shall be holy unto you. Whosoever compoundeth any like it, or whosoever putteth any of it upon a stranger, shall even be cut off from his people. That means they are thrown out of the country. You can no longer be a part of the nation of Israel. You're out of here, bud. You're cast out, and you can never be a part of it. You're just, you, you have no inheritance. You're gone. That's how serious this was. So this oil we're talking about was very uh, precise in its usage. Verse 34, And the Lord said to Moses, Take unto thee sweet spices, uh, stacti and anica uh, and galbanum, I guess that's how you would say those, these sweet spices with pure frankincense, of each shall there be a like weight. And thou shalt make it a perfume, a confection after the art of the apothecary, tempered together, pure and holy. And thou shalt beat some of it very small, and put of it before the testimony of the tabernacle congregation, where I will meet with thee, it shall be unto you most holy. And as for the perfume which thou shalt make, uh, ye shall not make to yourselves according to the composition thereof. It shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. Whosoever shall make like unto that, to smell thereto, shall even be cut off from his people. So not only was it uh, very precise, but it can only be used for the, this specific reasons. And he's basically saying, don't counterfeit. Don't make something else and pretend that it's the same. This is it. This is only it. And this is what I want it to be. Don't try to copy and pretend other ways. Don't counterfeit it. Use the real stuff for the real reason I have it for. So there is a source of unity. And you may be saying, well, how does this apply to unity? Well, stick with me. Hopefully it will make sense in a moment. Just like the anointing oil had a specific recipe determined by God, so too does unity. It's a very specific thing that the Lord wants, and he determines what makes up unity. Unity pleases God because unity is determined by God. I'm going to say this again. Unity pleases God because God is one who determines what unity is. And if it's not determined by him, it doesn't please him. We don't get to choose what we unite around. We have to unite around what the Lord wants us united around. God's recipe for unity, just like his recipe for this anointing oil, is found in his word. 
How would they know how to make this oil? They went to his word. How would they know how to use this oil? They went to his word. How do we know what makes up unity? We go to his word. How do we know how unity should be used? We go to his word. Let me show you some verses what I mean about this. Go with me to 2 John. Second John. And look with me in chapter 1. Which I know there's only one chapter, but we always just call it chapter 1 nonetheless. Second John, chapter 1. Now, let me just preface by saying this. We live in a time where there's an expectation from the world that all believers are going to get along with everyone else, and we can't ever stand up and say something is right and something's wrong. We can't say this religion is false. We can't say, wait a minute, what they're doing is unbiblical because they look at us as when we do that as somehow we're mean or unkind or ugly or, or, or just uh, mean-spirited about it or bigoted. We're not trying to be bigoted. We're trying to be biblical. And if something's against the Bible, it's wrong. Not because we don't like it, because it's against the Bible. Our job is not to find a way to get along with every other religion. Our job is to stand for the Bible and unite with fellow believers who do the same. Second John chapter 1, look with me at verse number 4. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth. Now what truth? God's truth. Thy word is truth, the Bible says. That I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote it, and he's referring to the church there. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love. Well, what, love one another, what does that mean? And this is love, he's going to describe it. That we walk after his commandments. The love that we're talking about is a love that comes from obedience. This is the commandment, that as you've heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. Now watch what he says next. For many deceivers are entered into the world, who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and, and not the, and at Antichrist. It goes against Christ. Anything that, that is opposed to Christ goes against Christ. Now doesn't that make sense? If it opposes Christ, it goes against Christ. Say, well, what makes it wrong? Because it goes against Christ. It's not going the same way we're going. Look at verse 8. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, that's the word of God, hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there, now watch, look at verse 10. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, You might not, not have noticed, maybe it has missed your, your, uh, your sight as you've come in, but there is a sign out front by the road that says Grace Baptist Church. We're Baptists. We're not Baptists because we said, hey, well, wonder what people want. They, they like Baptists, so we'll be a Baptist church. That's not how it came about. It's not Baptist because I grew up a Baptist. It's not Baptist because it just kind of rolls off your tongue. Historically, Baptists have stood for certain specific biblical beliefs, and those are the beliefs we stand for. I am not, and this may surprise you, I am not a Mormon. I'm not a Jehovah Witness. I'm not a Catholic. I'm a Baptist. 
And if you do not bring this doctrine, then we're not going to have unity. I'm not uniting around your false teaching. Well, we're all God's children. No, we're not all God's children. Only those who are born again by the blood of Jesus Christ is God's child. And even if you are a born-again person, if you're not walking in harmony with the doctrine of God's word, I cannot walk in harmony with you. I'm uniting around doctrine. Let's go back. We're not done yet. Second John, I mean, yep, Second John, chapter 1 still, verse number 10. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. That's exactly what it says. That's exactly what he means. Look at verse 11. For he that biddeth him Godspeed, God be with you. God bless you. Oh, may, 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 may God make your way fruitful. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. I don't want the Jehovah Witnesses to succeed. Their doctrine is sending people to hell. I want them to fail in what they're doing. I don't want people to believe the false doctrine. I want them to believe true doctrine. So I don't help them. I don't encourage them. I don't give them money. I don't, I don't try to, uh, uh, well, you know, I, I don't want to, if they come to my house, I try to be nice. I want to discourage them. I do want to, and I'm not going to be, okay, I'm not going to be ugly, okay? I'm not going to punch them. I'm not going to cuss them out, okay? But I'm not going to bid them Godspeed. I'm not going to say, no, I'm not interesting. Have a good day. I'm going to say, no, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a born-again believer. I don't agree with you close the door. They may be offended. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll quit and go home. What do you know? I don't know. But it'd be better. Second, that's Second John. Go with me to Second Timothy. Now, I'm saying these things because we need to get a little grit in our craw, as it were, and stand up for what's truth. We get way too mamby-pamby about this stuff. Second Timothy chapter 4. Again, we don't, I'm not saying get a gun and chase people down the street. That's not my first thing. It's like third or fourth in the list. It's not the first thing. Second Timothy chapter 4. And I hope you know I'm joking, okay? It's fifth or sixth. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse number 1. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick, that's the living, and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant. In season, out of season, that's the idea of consistency and constancy. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts, own desires, shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Fables isn't just simply a red riding hood and the, and the, and the wolf. It's the idea of anything that goes against Scripture, false teaching. Let me show you one more place. 1 Timothy. That was 2 Timothy. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, that's behavior, and charity, that would be love, and spirit, and faith, and purity. Till I come, give attendance to. In other words, do this. Be constant in this. Be faithful in this. Give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. People say, well, you know, don't make a doctrine a big thing. The Bible makes doctrine a big thing. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and into the doctrine. 
Continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. And the idea of saving there isn't saving uh, from hell. It's the idea of sanctifying, the sanctified life. So there's a source of unity. Our source of unity is the Word of God. That's what we're uniting around. We're holding to this doctrine. Let me give you a couple more statements about this. A church is to be so clear, so consistent, so confident in the doctrine that it becomes the basis of their unity, that we know what we believe, we're united around that belief, and that's what holds us together. What holds us together is not because we all like to uh, watch the Buckeyes beat Michigan, which is always a glorious sight, but that's not what holds us together. What holds us together is there's certain things that we all believe that we hold to, and this is what you, we unite around. This we should be so clear, so um, uh, um, uh, confident, um, so consistent that we, this becomes the basis of our unity. Let me show you another place. Go with me to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. Again, I stress this because in the world we live in, the word unity has been hijacked by people who don't believe the Bible and don't believe God, and they're trying to tell us, well, you've got to get along with everyone. I don't have to get along with everyone. I have to get along with God, and I get along with God through His Word, and I get along with my fellow believers as we all get along with the Word of God. Okay? I'm, not, I'm not going to uh, uh, unite around false teachers and, and false teaching. Okay? I'm, not, I'm not going to get along with that. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Now again, I'm not talking about being unkind to people. Okay? If, if, if there's a Mormon walking down the street, I'm not going to walk up and punch him. I'm not going to spit on him. Okay? You can be polite without going along with their doctrine. But I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be wishy-washy and, and mamby-pamby about where I stand. That's neither good for me, it's not good for them, it's not good for the Lord. Ephesians 4, look with me at verse 11. Chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. For, this is why he gave them to you, for the perfecting, the completing, the building up, the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, the building up, again, of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, complete man, mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That, that, that's what our faith, our faith is in Him and who He is, and we're trying to be like Jesus that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So let me stop. We're not done yet. Can I tell you there is a real Satan who puts out false doctrine, who's trying to get you to go every other direction other than the direction of truth? So well, how, how, how do we know what truth is? It's right here in your hands. And anything that goes against the Bible is not truth. It's a lie. Verse 14 again, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. I wish that wasn't true, but it is true. There are people who purposely are trying to deceive you. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted, 
fits together everything, every uh, uh, slot A is in hole B, it's all working together in unity as we're united around the word. For whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. That's as we combine around, unite around the doctrine, the faith, the word of God. Now, the word of God is called a sword. It is both an offensive and defensive weapon. Doctrine divides us from those who are biblically wrong, and it unites us with those who are biblically right. This is what the Word of God does. So there's a source of unity. So there's a reason for unity, that's to please the Lord. There's a source of unity, that's the Word of God, that's what we unite around. And then there is a result from unity. Let's go back to Psalms 133. So verse 1 talks about why we do it. It's good and pleasant in the Lord's eyes. Verse 2 compares unity like this ointment, this very specific ointment. could only be used as the Lord wanted. It was based on his word. So is unity. It's based on his word. Then he says this in verse number 3. As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Has anyone ever seen dew? When do you have to go out? Usually early morning, right? What happens as soon as the sun comes up? What happens to the dew? It's gone. So there's a result from unity. Even though unity pleases God, and unity is determined by God through his word, now watch, still the presence of unity in a church blesses us. The blessing from unity, so if we are trying to please the Lord, putting our faith and our focus here on God's word, we, there's a result, and the result is it, it blesses us. But it blesses us like, like dew. Now watch this about dew. Dew often goes unnoticed and taken for granted. Often dew will come and go, and you don't even know. You get up in the morning, and the dew's out there, and you don't pay much attention. The sun comes out, and it's gone. Yet, notice this about dew. Dew provides an important role in the whole ecosystem. Dew, this early morning dew, reduces stress in plants. It keeps the plant from overheating and allows it to survive in times of drought. And God says this unity in the church is like this dew. You may not really know it's there, but it's doing a work. And without it, the whole plant, the whole church is in trouble. It's providing a very important role in a church. So too is unity in a church. Unity in a church reduces stress in the church. It provides for a calmer, calmer, cooler spirit. And it helps the church survive difficult times. Unity, like do, is often taken for granted when it is present and quickly noticed when it is gone. You let the dew not, you, you take away all the dew, all of a sudden you start seeing plants dying out. You start seeing your yard turning, turning brown. You say, well, what's going on? The, the, the dew's been gone. So the dew does a work often under, unnoticed and, and, and really undetected as far as us paying attention. But when it's not there, everyone knows. You take unity out of a church and you watch what happens. 
all of a sudden, everyone's going all kinds of different ways. Typically, unity is not known by its presence. Unity is known by its absence. So when we unite based on God's word to please him, we are blessed by the result. One of the great joys in our heavenward pilgrimage are the fellow pilgrims we meet. It's a great blessing as a believer to connect with other believers as we make this pilgrimage towards heaven. Now, God wants us to make this pilgrimage together in unity. Now, we do it to please him, the one we're going to see. But we must do it as we agree on what the Bible says. That's what we unite around. And as we try to please him and we unite around doctrine, it provides a better journey together. And that's what Psalms 133 is talking about. Would you bow your head and would you